Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Ladies and gentlemen, we're back with our Packers Buccaneers preview on the On My Block podcast. I'm your host, Mike Wall. Thanks for watching. If you're enjoying, hit me up, Mike Wall68 on Twitter. Process to perform on Instagram. Like, subscribe, smash that like button. Subscribe to us on our Process to Perform channel on YouTube. It's the On My Block podcast on YouTube. And by the way, I'm just going to keep saying Twitter. I'm not saying X. I tweet. I read tweets. I don't read X's. I don't know what that looks like. It sounds like a porn site, which I don't mind. I'm just telling you what it looks like. Show sponsored by Bet Online. Bet Online, all the major sports are in action this week and college football playoffs ready to kick off. Bet Online is your number one destination for all your sports wagering info, including news for pro football, the NBA, upcoming fights, and NHL games this season. Side note NBA uh, upcoming fights just got me thinking this Draymond thing, green, Draymond Green thing. Like, has anybody ever gotten punished more for, for a worse punch? Just putting it out there. Head to the website today and get into the, action, into the action and see all the updated odds for the week. Remember to use our promo code BELIEVE, that's B-L-A-A-V, to receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Bet line where the game starts. Let's get into it. The Packers uh, are really limping in, and more metaphorically and literally, into Lambeau this week. Three and a half point favorite against the Buccaneers. Both teams are six and seven. Uh, the Buccaneers are actually, I think, leading the NFC South right now at six and seven. There's always one division that you're just going like it just smells like rotten fish, and apparently the NFC South is is that one this year. But the Packers, this injury report, I'm just checking this thing out, uh, and this is yesterday's. As I I, I shoot the show uh, around Thursday afternoon, I got. Uh, Jair, AJ, Enigbari, Jenkins, Jones, Nixon, Owens, Reed, Savage, Slayton. A lot of good players. Walker, Christian Watson, Wicks, Silks. A lot of good players on that. A lot of good players. I don't know what this team's going to look like, but it sounds like they might they might be missing a lot of their wide receivers and tight ends. Obviously, Musgrave's already out. This is a must-win game, really, for both teams if you have any chances of making the playoffs. Probably more so the Packers than, than Tampa because – you know, when you when you think about the, you know, the the Lions are either going to win or absolutely have a, like a monumental meltdown here with uh, with the last couple of weeks of the season. If the Vikings can, you know, they got their third string quarterback now. If they can pick something up, I think they're they're in a little bit better position than, than the Packers are right now. But you think about it, a six. A, this is a losing record team could get a home playoff spot. I think there's that rule still in place. Um, Green Bay heads a list of, I think there's like seven or eight teams uh, with losing records right now looking for that seventh playoff spot that we had to bring. Like the NFL had to get another team in there. They they had to take around the the the, the bye week for the the number two seed in the, in the NFC and the AFC, and they had to get that extra game because they just got – it's all money, money, money. It's not safety. It's money. So Tampa comes into town, and they just beat the Falcons on a, actually a really good game to watch, funny, fun game to watch. Uh, Last-minute road game, I think – Baker, I think at this point, I'm not sure if we call him a journeyman, you know, from former first, I think first pick in the draft, but almost a, almost a journeyman now at this point, if he spent some time in Carolina, spent some time in that one game with uh, LA Rams on Monday night football last week, that last year was really great. Um, he's tried to establish himself as the franchise guy for Todd Bowles and this, this Tampa Bay Bucks team. Uh, I, I think for me, the best players on this team, uh, aside from maybe Mike Evans, who's, who was an underrated hall of fame player, are the left tackle Tristan Wirfs and then and Vita Vea, who who may be out with a big toe injury, he was out last week. Um, noticeable absence. Like the, this team, so the, the Tampa Bay Bucks defense is pretty good, and they're pretty good against the run. And uh, Kalijah Kansi will talk about a first round pick from from Pitt playing at a high level. But when Vita Vea is not in there, like the difference between Vita being in there and Vita not being in there, oh my good lord. Uh, I just don't think anybody thought he was going to have the kind of impact as a big, as a, you know, six foot one, you know, 350. I don't know how, how tall he is, but just an absolute unit in the middle. Um, it's they're really injured on defense. They're missing both starting corners. So they've run this, you know, the, the, the old 
you know, Tampa Bay's always been elite mindset, like really, really good on defense. Just the, the way that they go about their business. You, you, some teams are known for things. Tampa Bay has been known for just having an elite level of defense. When you think about back in the day with, with Brooksy and, and, and Warren Sapp and, and Simeon and, and obviously John Lynch and, and Rondé and all those guys, you know, uh, uh, Sproul, I mean, there's so many good players. Quarles, God, they were all they were so good. I was just watching the 2002 game. It came up on my YouTube channel, the one that Chad Clifton got hurt. And man, they played fast. It's like that old tape is kind of grainy, so it makes it look faster. But boy, they played fast. They were a really, really good team. But they can't effectively run their defense as well as they want to right now because there's just so many guys that are that are injured. Um, this draft class is playing really well. As I, you look across this, you know, Trey Palmer, six-round pick play, Cansey uh, starting, the kid from Pitt, undersized. Everybody thought he was like, kind of like Aaron Donald. Not really. He's just he's just small. He moves really well. Um, he is a problem. Uh, Yaya Diabe is by far the the the, the most name-friendly recognition guy you can get uh, on a team, the outside linebacker, third-round pick. And then uh, Christian Izian is playing, is playing the nickel position now. He's actually a free agent. They've just got some dudes. They got some guys playing backup on defense as well. Um, youth movement. Just this team is very similar to Green Bay. You look at this team and you just go. There's a lot of similarities in the way that they run their offense, and that just the way they they go about their business. And a lot like you're going to see some eerie similarities on offenses as far as what they're trying to accomplish. I think a lot of teams are that way now. Defensively, they're much stronger on defense than they are on offense, and we don't like to talk about that because everyone wants to. To, to dump all over our defense. And, you know, sometimes with the running game, you know, rightfully so. But uh, let's face it, the numbers are better on defense than they, they have been on offense all season. The Packers are 6-7 and seven now. They're coming off the, what I think is the worst loss of the season because that was a game they were six-point favorites. They should have won that football game. And it, honestly, it shouldn't have been close. You watch the tape, and it's just, it's just sloppy, sloppy play all over the board. Uh, I think we got outcoached on the defensive side. Uh, Matt LaFleur did another good, another great job of putting together an offensive game plan that was win that was a very winnable game plan. They should have scored a lot more than, than 22 points. I'm sure inside this locker room, the players are aware now that the defense is like second to last in the league and giving up in, in rushing yards allowed. Um, and I'm sure that they're talking about, you know, going locker to locker and talking about, hey, listen, I, we can't make, we can't miss these tackles. We can't have lapses in communication. Like, we can't be on different pages on the RPO stuff. Because even Baker Mayfield not being the biggest threat running the quarterback at the quarterback position, if I'm watching this tape, it's like the blueprint to win is there. You know, and it's and Rashad White's a good player. And he had 102 yards last week against the Falcons. And I mean, there's – when you lose a game like that, it exposes some things that people are going to test you on for the rest of the season. So the Packers are coming down the stretch with a lot to think about. Uh, and I think one of those things you have to start considering, and, and the conversation is going to be there, is, is the long-term future of quarterback. Jordan Love, certainly during the stretch of wins, did some things that you really like. But if you listen to this show, if you listen to some of the experts across the internet on television, I'm talking about guys who know fundamentals of football. They're all going to tell you the same thing. He gets away with some stuff with some footwork issues, and that's going to come around to haunt you. He makes some you know decisions that are going to come around to haunt you. It's not that he's like he's a young player, but it, then again, he's on his fourth year. You got to figure out if you're going to pick his fifth year option up. So this week it haunted him. This is the week where bad footwork led to poor. We showed it all over the tape on Monday, Tuesday, excuse me. Uh, poor throws, underthrown balls, you know, balls that were contested that Christian Washington caught last week, got picked off or didn't get caught this week. Those things happen. Now, the good news is Jaden Reed is, is becoming that, you know, I call him Debo Samuel-esque type player for this offense. Um, you, you get him uh, the ball through pre-snap motion, but you also use him as that indicator of how they're going to play that defense. And again, when we talk about identifying, ex uh, communicating, and executing, what better way to get everybody on the same page is using, you know, a rookie linchpin movement guy to start defining the defense for Jordan and company. So there's kind of a lot of subplots headed into this week. Uh, but I think that the big message here is both teams really need, need this win. It's going to be a good game. I think it's a three and a half point game on green Bay side right now. Let's talk bucks defense before we get into this tape. So they're 20.8 points per game, 13th in the league. Pretty good. 362 yards given up per game, 26th in the league. Not very good. They, uh, they they allow 
just a tick under 99 rushing yards per game. That's 10th in the league. They're they're really good, but it's everything's a, a contextual. If you start watching the games, like why are these things happening? Yeah, they're good up front. They're better with Via. They're better with Via Vea. Excuse me. Via Vea. Via Vea. But also the teams that they're playing, the styles that they play, what you know, what the score of the game is, all these different things. Um, they're good. I think what they do well is they like to bring pressure. Todd Bowles is a pressure guy, and they play with an elite mindset. Like they're 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 not afraid to make mistakes. Like they'll make they had a, you know they'll make a pick six on the other side of the football. They'll bite on routes. They'll jump a couple of things that they can, they can kind of bite in the ass a little bit later. Uh, they play downhill and they love to bring five or six and they love to bring pressure when you're looking at kind of like bunches, tight looks where it's kind of jumbled in there. There's a lot, there's a lot of bodies, man, they're, they're coming off the edge. And so I think one of the bright spots for them, we talk about all the guys that are injured. One of the all time greats for them over the last couple of years has been Devin white. Um, the young linebacker, I think he was drafted in 19. KJ Britt's been playing for him. He, he's playing at a high level, made a lot, a lot, made a lot of plays last week um, against that B. John Robinson led, you know, Falcons team. Um, Elijah Cantu's looking the part. Anton Winfield is all over the field. He's free safety, but he's literally he could be at the line of scrimmage. He love he's one of those guys they love to bring on the pressure looks. Makes a ton of plays behind the line of scrimmage. This is one of those games where Jordan Love and company just they have to do such a good job at identifying pressure, identify the coverage because they're going to switch it up at the line of scrimmage. I think the first clip I have they switch, and you have to be able to, to identify that. You have to have your pre snap answers, and you just have to execute when when the opportunity is there because the opportunities. Anytime you bring pressure, opportunity is there to be successful. Let's get this tape going. I got to hit the uh, – get rid of that. Okay, here we go. Multiple coverages out of base. Here's what I'm showing. They go base front, right? They run a 4-3. Okay, they got two stand-up linebackers. Sound familiar? It should. They're showing single safety high. They're going to drop into a cover two here. They're going to take the corner, drop him back, and they're going to take a Shaq Barrett, who's still a elite-level pass rusher, by the way. That'll be a good matchup. They drop Shaq Barrett into the flat here. I'm just showing this play to let kind of everybody know you're not dealing necessarily with what the eyes show early. You have to be able to read some keys. Is Shaq Barrett look like he's in a passing stance? Is he already looking outside to where he has to go to? How's 27 playing on the back end? If you have 31 playing free safety, does that feel right? I mean, is that does that feel right? Because if 27's over in the flat, or, you know, it doesn't really make sense. Or if he's playing a little bit off, it doesn't really sit right with me, at least, that they're going to go ahead and take that. Uh, they're going to play single safety with the, with the safety down the other side and not rotate around, right? So you just have to have some indicators here. Pressure from tight looks. Here's what I'm showing. You got two tight ends on the on the upside. And so you don't ever know if that guy's button up or is he is he coming? They're bringing guys all over the board. There's people open, right? You always see, and who's always open? You know, on these kind of places, like you got to hit the check down. That's the idea. Then you just got to tackle in front of the sticks. You, you you get your quarterback back on the field. If you hit it early, if you hit him in stride, which is a big thing, if you step into your throw and you hit the guy in stride, our our players can make plays on this defense. You look at the bunch, they used a lot of return motion to try to figure out what the uh, Tampa Bay Bucks were doing. Talk about the Falcons now. And in this situation here, you just see Winfield's like, I'm, I'm not pulling any punches, man. I'm coming off the ball and I'm going to, I'm going to pressure you. They have a wide open B. John Robinson, but because of the pressure, not able to make the play. Same thing here. You got a bunch look. Now, if they go out, We've seen this before where they turn this into a kind of a stacked uh, trips look. And if that inside guy starts creeping up, you have to have answers right now. Is it a hitch? Are we going to turn this into a tunnel screen? Do we have an answer for it on the plus side? Because they're probably going to bring like what these guys do a good job of. Is they'll drop D tackles. They'll walk up mug Mike linebacker, will linebacker, and they'll drop them. They'll bring somebody off the other edge. Like they're going to bring four or five. It's just which four or five. So your running back, if he's involved, he's probably going to get eight up. In other words, you're not going to be able to start and scan on the right and then come all the way back over to the left. So you're going to have to have an answer to their hot read. That's the kind of the, the flavor of defense you're dealing with this week. 
Got to account for, for Antoine Winfield Jr., right? He's been a big-time player since his rookie year. He's a, he'll take some chances. He'll make some mistakes, but he's an elite-level mindset player. If he's around the line of scrimmage, he's he's just there to make plays. He's got to, He gets a sack safety here. And these kind of players, things happen for him. Now, when I say account for him here, yeah, 23-31 standing up there. Obviously, they're not going to play a dual safety look like that. So you have to account for them in the run game. You got to take that spot. You know, if they're if they're in this front, if this is a penny front, or whether or not the other the linebackers walked out, you got to account for thirty one, and bring him as part of the count as far as the offensive line. If you're in the run game here, you can't just let him sit there and and come in and play at linebacker depth at the snap of the ball. Thirty one here again. And there's just no need. This needs to be super clean and clear. You see the running back, Bijan Robinson. He's going for 31, right? Forgot his rules. Or the tackle, McGarry forgot his rules. But somebody's wrong here. And they end up picking this up and it's a quick throw. But this is the kind of stuff that happens. One would think that the tackle and guard would be squeezed into the linebacker and the running back would be taking 31. But the point is somebody's wrong. And uh, Bijan Robinson's got to come back late on KJ Britt, and that's really not what you want to have happen if you got somebody who's going to hold the ball in the backfield. Now, my idea is space gives intel, space gives information. So get those. If this is a two by two, spread them out as wide as you can. Get those slot receivers. This looks like a trips look with an empty. You got so we got three by two. Excuse me, but you want to split everybody out because this gives you information. If somebody's going to blitz off the edge, you go as a quarterback, as a receiver, as an as a offensive line, you're going to see it now. This is very obvious, especially on the high side here. If anybody's showing, right, because if they're coming from depth like this on your base rules, I think the biggest waste of time in football is sending a Mike linebacker through an A-gap. I think it's the biggest waste of time in football because you're already going there, right? Unless you have some slide. If this is a team that historically slides, you're just going to take the backside guy or I guess – you're usually sliding away from the protection. So if you if you call your protection to the right, you're sliding to the left. So if you bring the, the guy from the right, and, and that means the back has to pick him up, you know, fair enough. But in these situations, in a scat situation, you're probably going to go to the you guy to the first guy outside the center. So like bringing this protection, this never really made a lot of sense. This is a really easy pickup for everyone. But the opportunities are there because – when you bring five or six, we talked about it last week with the problems with the Packers were, you have to either start playing this man or you're going to play a pretty soft zone. And then there's just throwing lanes everywhere. You have to have pre-snap answers. And we see this here. If the slot is going to come off the edge, which he starts creeping, and as soon as he goes now, Ritter's got to have his head you're, you're making these checks, and the ball's out because the safety's trying to get all the way to the flat. And they'll give you – I'm showing the high side. I know they threw the ball to the low side. And the quarterback makes a decision there and lives with it. But you have to have, like, a very good understanding of what, what are the possibilities. If they bring the slot, who's going to cover the flat? If they have the corner cover the flat, who's covering the, who's covering the deep third? All these things, like you have leverage somewhere. You just have to find it, and you have to find it fast. And everyone's got to be on the same page. So I talk about an elite level. This is K.J. Britt, the backup. And he's chasing seven, their best player. He chases them all the way across the field and forces this, uh, really, a tackle for loss. And that is a big-time play. That's how, you know, I have a lot of respect for the Todd Bowles as, as a coach and then as a, as a defensive coordinator and what – the, the mindset he brings to this team, and it always is brought to this team on the defensive side of the football. You see out here the corner, I mean, shoots the gap, makes the play, walks into the end zone. These are big-time plays. Those are big-time plays, but it can get you hurt, okay? Because now you see a two-by-two two on the on the bottom here. Excuse me. You see twins on the bottom, and they're just going to run like a, a, a chair route, an out-and-up, a stick nod, and you've got – You've got the slot defender with his chest to the line of scrimmage, and you've had the you have the outside defender with his chest to the end zone, and so you just got big time play opportunities here because the safety has to get over the top. Impossible. 
right? So big time play for a touchdown there. And then if you just win on the line of scrimmage, remember, two backup cornerbacks are starting as of this week. Carlton Davis and uh, Jameel Dean are out. And you got Zion McCollum and uh, Josh Hayes in, okay? One's a rookie, one's a second-year player. They're both good. They're not as good as starters. Otherwise, they'd be starting. So you win at the line of scrimmage here. They're running another stick knot. It's just a little slot because they you know, draped all over them. But you got time to make plays. I show this. I'm going to show this from two angles. I just like what they're doing. Two tight end look. You can use a fullback as well. They're in base defense. Okay, they've brought down 23 to play over the top here or play man coverage on the tight end. So they go backside. 23 is going to stay in the count. Okay, so that's good information for later on for the Green Bay Packers. But you see what happens. They switch with 52. They switch responsibilities. And everybody chases. Now, if they just would have done a better job at the guard position, this is a touchdown. You know, they probably get tackled by Anton Winfield. Fair enough. But watch this from the sideline copy. Same play. Look how they chase the flat, uh, the flat option, the arrow. And then the linebacker chases the tight end across the ball and they forget about the, the Falcons best player. And you see the, the hole that, that, that shows up here is absolutely absurd. Now, if he could just make this cut earlier or if they could block their nose tackle a little bit faster, there's some big opportunities in the run game if they're going to play it the same way. I'd try to feature at least one package of things out of that look. They do that return motion again. They see that nobody moves. So what does that mean? That means that you really got a two-by-two two on some sort of man or match coverage outside. Come down, safety bites, and they're just going to run a little rub route up top here. And now you're wide open for easy throw and catch. And these are the kind of plays that you just can't get enough of. Like you can't manufacture enough free yards where the quarterback has a run-pass option because the under center play action but he also can just throw the ball out seven yards in the flat and literally nobody's covering these guys. Okay. Yeah. I talked about Kalaja can't see the kid from Pitt. I watched him since the senior bowl. He's a really good player. Quick first step, good leverage, not a, not a tall guy. So just plays with a lot of leverage, leverage players. It goes in and out of vogue, but you know, generally speaking, if you're talking about a six, four, six, five guard or tackle, you have a hard time with a six, one guy. It's just, a, it's just a weird angle for you. So you see here, he takes a hard step inside. And then just gets this center going sideways and presses him into the hole, puts him on his ass, tackle for loss. He's very, very capable of doing this if you have poor footwork. If you can't get that second step down, he catches you in a crossover, you're in big trouble. Don't waste reps against an aggressive defense. They want to make plays. You have to throw the open. So if they're in quarters coverage here and they bite on the quarters coverage, so four deep, okay, and they bite, not once, but really twice with the play side safety and the backside safety on the deep dig, you have to throw this to space. There's nobody out there. And they keep this really high. And Ritter, for some reason, doesn't lead him into the, the ocean of green over there on the top left corner. I'll show this from the end zone copy. I mean, he just couldn't. He doesn't even see the backside safety as bitten, right? But he's just, there's oceans of space here. And whether Watson's healthy, you can give this to Wicks. I mean, you could have thrown this over to the, the, the referee and just made this an easy throw and catch. Now, they got problems in base defense. Where? Well, if they don't bring all five, they got to drop one of those guys, right? And anytime was we Packer fans know they don't like dropping Preston Smith. When you drop a guy into coverage, especially in like the flat against these, guys, these defenders, there's going to naturally just be leverage in space. So they do a play action. This easy completion out here. These are again what I'm talking about now is where do I'm showing you gimmies. Now we still got to complete them and have good footwork. I feel like this is better on the run than in the pocket right now, quite frankly, because he doesn't throw off his back foot on the run. But there are there are easy gimme completion plays against this defense you got to take advantage of. I think the big thing is, you know, we've seen this now with Reed. We're trying to work this in. I'm sure they're going to get Wicks involved. I'm sure they're going to get uh, Malik Keith involved more. Uh, obviously, you know, I don't know if Dobbs is a behind-the-line-of-scrimmage guy. 
We don't think that Aaron Jones is coming back, but they, you know, they made a lot of hay on these kind of plays. And the good thing about watching these plays is, regardless of what they're in, and you can see 27 and and 52 are both going to have outside leverage here, which the, the point is you get one good cut and somebody's going to look stupid. Like 27 doesn't need to be outside of 52 because 52 has already set the edge. He should be sitting in the hole. But when you're playing this fast and you're worried about speed, which anybody who catches one of these balls with Jaden Reed or B. John Robinson, the defense is going to be scared of that speed. So what are they going to do? They're running ladder. They're over pursue. You put your foot in the ground to go north-south, run through a bad tackle, and you got yourself a huge play. And then talk about base defense again. They bring out their outside linebacker here. He's standing up over a trips look. Now, this is great. This is a great job. We talked about this last week at the Packers. You have to do this so they don't throw the wide receiver screen. So this makes a lot of sense from that standpoint. And he can kind of come in and, and, and play the run game here. But they get confused. You can see the safety's not sure what to do. He's trailing B. John Robinson late. Outside linebacker stays there, but he's going to be the flat player. They let the corner go easy touchdown on the corner out. That's easy. So that's the kind of stuff. Those are the kind of plays that can that can you know have success against this Tampa Bay team, which again I think is a good defense. I think, and if they get Vita Bay back, it's a lot better against the run. Tampa offense at 20 points per game, 22nd in the league, 300 yards per game, 23rd in the league, and 90 yards rushing, 29th in the league. Now I say 90 because they're not very good. But last week, they had 148 yards rushing against the Falcons. Rashawn White had 102 yards rushing. So they all of a sudden, they, they've got something. And that's the thing that the Packers are worst at defensively, 31st in the league in, uh, in rushing, 148.8 or 0.6 yards per game. Okay. The retooled Tampa offensive line, really for me, aside from Tristan Wirfs, who's, who's transferred from right tackle to left tackle, is, and is, he's, he's a really, really good football player. It's going to be a fun matchup between him and Preston, him and Rashawn, whoever they play against. I don't think they're a physically dominant group. Um, they do play with good fundamentals, and they do what they do a really nice job of, and a lot of teams don't, is they do a good job of sticking on their guy and not falling down. It just it sounds stupid. They do a good job of sticking on their guy, trying to stay square to the line of scrimmage, and they don't fall. A lot of guys just fall over immediately. A lot of guys can't stick on their man. A lot of guys, they'll turn their, we call it turn your ass into the hole and collapse the hole. They do a pretty good job in the film that I watch of not doing that. Now, they don't move people. But if you have patience, Rashad White could be a patient runner. And they really wore down the Falcons over the course of that game. They didn't get those yards until the, you know, halfway through the third quarter and the fourth quarter. Now, their offense is really led by Mike Evans. He's one of the most underrated guys in the league, a wide receiver, obviously. Uh, he had only one catch last week for eight yards. So I would expect Tampa to really, maybe even the first 15, you're going to dial up some plays that are getting the ball in his hands early. So you you know as a as a team you obviously want to as a Packers team you want to make sure that early on we're just not giving up freebies to a guy who can really get hot and he can run every route he's a deep threat he's a really really good player uh, Chris Godwin's there Kate Otten's uh, their favorite targets right now for Baker Mayfield Baker's having a you know kind of a Baker season sixty two and a half percent completion percentage twenty nine hundred yards twenty twenty uh, touchdowns eight picks they're not getting sacked a lot. And they're not throwing a ton of picks. They're not turning the ball over a lot. They're not getting sacked a lot. And they're kind of doing what they need to do to win football games from a win the turnover battle, all of that kind of stuff. They're just not putting up a lot of points. They're not moving the ball that effectively. Like this is a below average offensive football team, but they did have 150 yards or damn near 150 yards rushing last week. But, you know, Baker's a play action guy. He's got, he's proven that he's going to take risks, but he's doing a good job of limiting those risks, I guess, as compared to years press when he was like prudential guy or whatever. He can play in and out of the pocket. I don't know if they're going to feature the RPO given what we saw last week. It's up in the air. He can get to his fourth and fifth read. Like Baker's a smart guy. He's not, he's not, he's not a rookie. He can get to his fourth and fifth read. It's just a question of you. Can you collapse the pocket in time? He's got proven weapons. Godwin's a weapon in this league. Mike Evans is a Hall of Fame player in this league. Um, I, I would, I, I think when I look at 
this offense. Rashad White can do a lot of things off the ball in, in the screen game. I think he's a good runner. I think Werfs is a really big weapon considering our best players are probably our defensive ends, our outside linebackers, whatever you want to call them. Uh, I think their other side, Gadecki, is a pretty good player as well. I think he's a second-round pick maybe from last year, a pretty good player. So I think those matchups are going to be super interesting. Uh, Let's watch some some tape on these guys. Start off with, I love this. Love that gap scheme, baby. And we saw this last week, have success because we didn't hit the hole. So this is an RPO look that we can run, and I'm talking about RPO. And you, you look at the backside guy, and you can run the you can run the uh, the slant. But this is a double team that if that linebacker hangs on the backside, you're in you're in really good shape. This is a really this is a relatively easy blocked play because Werfs is one of those tackles that can remove that defensive end on the play side without help. He's just got that kind of ability. You see the drive block that he has there. He's just he does that all day, and so you can run this nine tight end kind of gap scheme stuff to the weak side, and they like to do it a lot. You see they motion out to trips. And because of the motion, we'll go back. They have no numbers over there. So if you just cut the herd from the center over, you're looking at four on four with a with a running back. There's nobody over there. That's I mean, that's just the numbers game that you want. Really, you might not even want to count the linebacker or the safety. The safety's gonna back up and be out of the count, and the and the linebacker's almost head up. So when you just bisect this line just by moving those those guys over into the strong right look. You get free runs. And that's what this team tries to do. They're just trying to create numbers advantages. So now they got two tight ends to the bottom of the screen. Excuse me. They're running running back on the same side. So you really got three to the side. And they do a great job of utilizing the running backs out of the backfield by just running the split and down the middle. And it leaves that linebacker trying to figure out, should I cover the flat? Oh, whoops. They run a little bit of a high arrow route for easy completions. You know, Baker's very, very capable of throwing the ball to an arrow rod out of the backfield. He's very he, he is very capable of, of hitting the gimmies. Very on any given day, he could be perfect in hitting the gimmies. Got trips. You look at the outside slot receiver here. Exact same concept, just not out of the backfield, right? Spread him out, clear out, run underneath, focus in that soft spot over the middle of the ball. Do a good job. Again, when I look at this stuff, you're kind of looking at what do you want to take away? Well, Mike Evans is a deep threat, but where does, you know, Baker's not, doesn't have the strongest arm. They're going to run some play action to give him time to set up and make the reads easier. But where does he really want to throw the ball? Where does he want to complete a lot of passes? Right over the football, right? As many times as they can. Now we're talking about getting creative. And they're getting creative for the same reason the Packers are getting creative. Because they have to find opportunities to manufacture offense outside of their running game, their regular running game. They don't have, they had good yards last week, but they're only averaging, you know, they're averaging under 100 yards. They're worse than the Packers at running the football. So, big question this game is how to guard Evans. You see the, the Atlanta Falcons here. The, the safety might be 15 yards back, but who's he staring at? Like he's staring at the single receiver on the top. And what that does is, it should give you options all over the field. Whenever you double the outside, you have to expect somebody else to win. You got a bunch of trips look outside here, and you have your running back releasing to the left as well. So there are plays to be made all over the board. You just got to make them, especially if, if, if we determine we're going to take away Evans. Then that pass rush has to give, get home. Because if you're allowed to release the back, and you are, uh, you know, releasing tight end, you know, let's say you're an 11 personnel. If you're going to double Evans when he goes deep and your 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 uh, free safety is going to look that way, Baker Mayfield can get us to, to his third, fourth, fifth read. If you don't get to him, if you don't make him get rid of the football early, 
Like he's going to find people. He's not, you know, he's, he's a, I'm not saying he's an underrated quarterback, but I think we don't appreciate that he can throw the football because he had some bad years after he started doing those damn Prudential commercials, right? If Baker Mayfield gets out of the Prudential business, okay, I, he's probably still with Cleveland. He's, and he's, you know, they're, they're talking about him in a whole different light. Just saying. Six man box. Uh, I'm not counting the corner on, on Godwin here. This is a six man box. And if you're going to give up a six man box and you get run on, it's on you. This is too easy. This is too easy to run the football. And listen, you guys, why'd you show that play? They didn't get a lot of yards. Well, you got four and a half. You had two doubles. Cody mocked the, uh, <laughs> They got that kid at right guard. He's a rookie. His name's Cody Mark. I forgot. He's like everybody's favorite ginger. Um, <laughs> I really like this guy. Every Yeah, he's he's a rookie as well. I didn't mention him earlier on the defensive side. He's the offense. But he's a, he's everyone's favorite. Uh, he was like North Dakota State University, Tucker Craft guy. Um, but he's got like a miss. He's like a gap toother. He's missing a tooth in the front. He just he looks like a cartoon character. Absolute unit. He had a great senior bowl, I think, and and NFL combine. Anyways, huge fan. Huge fan. Let's go back and take a peek at this. Same thing here. Same idea. I'm, I'm having some technical issues here. Double team. So these guys aren't killers at moving the ball like if i show you a double team of two guys really can that are just nasty at this they're getting three four five yards off the line of scrimmage right the detroit Lions in that in the games that we were watching a weeks ago these guys just do a pretty decent job of trying to get to the second level but you see if we attack the tackle here and turn this into a single you see what happens, right? They don't get any movement because they're, they're not guys that are really going to move you off the ball, except for Worfs. And now these cuts are a lot more difficult. The angle for the guards more difficult. Everyone remembers that John Ryan Jr. got blown up a couple weeks ago. I think it was against Atlanta, maybe. No, it wasn't Atlanta. It was somebody at Pittsburgh. But Cam Hayward had set the edge over there, so it's like that turn is so dramatic that you can't really set yourself. Okay, these are tough turns for the guard. And they're, and they're tough turns for that running back. So the running back's got to have a lot of patience in this offense, especially when they're even when they're running the gap stuff. Now, they bring in the extra offensive linemen, which we saw a little bit last week, so we should have some answers for that. Do you want to shift your, your team over? Do you want to shift your line over and account for it? Or are you just going to play it straight up and play them like a tight end? Packers last week decided to play it like a tight end. Look how easy this is, though. So they just run really a... a uh, a take scheme, so tight end down, tackle around. Pin the end. They're out the gate. I think they pulled the center here as well. 10-yard gain. This stuff, if you're going to play six-man box, if you're going to play a seven technique against a, against an extra offensive lineman, like these things should happen to you. This, you get what you deserve. Six-man box again. This is the, I'm just reiterating that this is a close game. Like they just, they, this is when you, when you decide that you're playing against a team that's not very good at something, you're still, you're still playing against National Football League quality players. Like don't forget, this is arrogant. Look at the space. Look how you have a wide nine and you have like a seven technique or like, you know, you have like a nine technique against Tristan Wirfs. Look at the space that those linebackers have to cover in order to make this work. And they want to play a balanced defense, but good Lord, like that. This is all you can eat because, again, look at play side. You have a shade. You have the next man on the line of scrimmage is like seven yards away from. So this hole, I mean, you're asking a linebacker. It's like, well, the linebacker's got the B gap. Yeah, well, which one? I mean, there's room for three B gaps in here. So there's, I mean, he just can't fill tight enough. Plus a shade, a block on a shade double team is the easiest block in football to get vertical on. And this is where Tampa really started running the ball down. The Falcons didn't learn. They just, oh, okay, well, I guess we'll just, maybe we'll bring a, a corner overhang here 
So they got the safety over the top at 10 yards deep, corner overhang. We don't even put him in the count because we don't think he can tackle. We're talking about how you, you scheme for this. And it's this isn't – they're not mauling anybody. You know, no one's getting murdered here. You know, you got a single block. 64 does a good job here. And watch this. This is not a great block. But he, what he does is he sticks with it. He doesn't fall off. He keeps, the, he keeps pressure on the guy. If you can keep pressure, good things happen. Little wrinkle here. You got a hipped off tight end. And they got what what I would call like a real a true stutter where they're they're gonna lead the guard and they're gonna bring the 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 tight end around for the secondary block. A nice little five, six yard gain. Screen games in play. They quickly identified that it was that it was a, a man matchup on the on the tight end. It was it's obvious here the way they brought them up. So you see that the linebackers, the box linebackers are already in the box. I think that's actually a, a, a nickel or a safety, but they're both walked up. One's in the A, one's in the B. He's immediately on the line of scrimmage. It's super easy for the center of the guard, the place guard to identify. And now Rashawn White goes, you know, 30 yards for a touchdown. So, these guys are making plays when plays are, you know, plays are there to be made. You see it here. Yeah, it's 33. So 33 falls out of the backfield. The problem is 33 is not nearly as good at taking on blocks as a linebacker. Okay, so these are things that the Packers, from a defensive standpoint, you either got to go stick to them now and worry about getting run around, or you really have to be able to attack this play side guard. This is a very viable play. And you see this screen. They're lining this thing up inside the numbers. Like they're not trying to put this thing wide and get up. They're very, very comfortable starting this thing in real tight because it's man coverage. And he's more, he's a more than capable running back when you get the ball in his hands. And just, you know, the big thing here is I, I think I said it before, don't sleep on Baker. He's a good football player. This is a 35 yard handoff. I mean, this is a if you if you see this ball in real time, that's a 35 yard handoff. He makes a great read. They're going with a match coverage here, and it's just an out, a deep out. You got to clear out over the top. and It's a 35-yard handoff. It's a really, really good throw. And then the last play to the tight end here with a little fade route, another really good throw in the end zone. So sometimes you, you don't let the numbers fool you. This it, it's not this is a below average from a from a number standpoint is a below average football team, but we're not exactly burning the doors down with our uh, ability to stop the run on defense in particular, which opens up the play action game. All the stuff that Baker likes uh, is it'll be a good matchup. Let's just put it that way. Matchups. Speaking of matchups, let's talk matchups. Keys to victory. Number one, Antoine Woodfield and Jordan versus Jordan Love. We're kind of talking about everybody, but really that matchup of that free safety who is who is nosy, plays all over the field, loves to play near the line of scrimmage, loves to bring pressure. Todd Bowles will dial them up, and the more success they have, success breeds success. So the more success they have, the more you're going to see. The Packer, whenever he's near the line of scrimmage, Jordan Love has to know where he is and what he's doing. And we have to make some assumptions that if he's up there, if it's a bunch look, if it's a tight look, you have to have an answer in the back of your head. And the first place your eyes should go is, is he coming or not? Because he is a big play machine for their defense. He always has been since the day he walked on the field. I think I remember the Super Bowl when Tom Brady, I think, was there. He was a rookie and I forgot exactly what happened. He's given some tear eyes or something to somebody on the other team. But he's a uh, he's a big play machine. Second matchup is Mike Evans and the secondary, how we're going to defend him. We saw, we saw the Falcons. A lot of teams will give him special treatment because it's not like it's not like Chris Godwin. It's not like uh, their tight end, Kate Otto. You know, it's, these guys are not household names. They're good players. Trey Palmer, 
Not a household name. Mike Evans is a household name in the, in the football rings. He's a really, really good player. It didn't work last week because it worked in the sense that, you know, Mike Evans only had one catch for eight yards. But they they found ways to get other people involved. So it's it's like pick your poison. And this week, I would have to imagine that Mike Evans is sitting in the locker room going like, yeah, I'm glad that we won. But it's like there, Steve Smith, they was a, when I was playing with Steve, I think somebody asked, he was in an interview or somebody goes, you know, they say, Hey, Steve, would you, would you trade? If you, would you take a super bowl if you didn't get a single catch in the game? And Steve was like, Oh yeah. You know, team answers. Like I take the super bowl. Then he was quiet for a minute. And he goes, not even one catch, like not one, you know, Mike Evans is probably the same. Like if you're a competitor, one catch for eight yards at his caliber, ain't quite going to cut it. So I would look for him to get involved early. How are we going to play that? Are we going to bracket him? Are we, you know, are we going to let these young corners play one on one? Or is it going to be a lot more zone this 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 game because of that? What, you know, what is it? What are we going to look? Are they going to designate some quit looks for him? What's that first fifteen going to look like? Are they going to try to wear us? I mean, there's so many questions that go into it. But fundamentally, as you structure your defense, you always go like, who do I have to stop? Well, he would be it for me. So how do you deal with that? How does Joe Barry deal with that? And then of course, what comes with that now is last week the Tampa Bay Buccaneers kind of found something in the running game. Are they going to be able to stick with that? Are they going to look at the Packers' defensive fits and tackling ability and go, you know what? If they try to take away Evans, man, we are going to feast because they just gave up 100 or 200 plus yards to the Giants, and you know I can't name a single guy in the Giants' offensive line except for Andrew Thomas. Third matchup, our interior defensive line kind of goes into the, the same thing versus Tampa's offensive line. So you look at Kenny, TJ Slayton, Wyatt. Uh, I think. Like for me, they have a huge advantage on paper, and Wyatt's been playing. Like Wyatt shows up on tape now, good and bad. But he shows like he's the, like Wyatt's there to play, and he's getting better. These guys have an advantage on paper. How's that going to translate to forcing Baker to move in the pocket away from the line of scrimmage, not advance towards the line of scrimmage? Something we talked about last week that sounded good, didn't quite get there two weeks ago. Sound, you know, a big part of of rushing principles, a big part of play action. Can you get the quarterback to run away from the line of scrimmage? Talked about it with Pat Mahomes. Can we dominate in the run game? Can we have that signature game against a team that doesn't, until last week, hasn't run the ball historically well? Can we create pocket pressure? What are we going to do with Worfs? Last time we played in right, Worfs was right tackle. We moved Rashawn Gary to right defensive end. I remember that game a couple of years ago. Okay, we just put Preston over there. It was like sacrificial lamb. I don't think that's right. First of all, Preston be over him now, but I feel pretty good about that matchup. I always feel good about Preston in that matchup. He's not going to win every time against Tristan. Tristan was a really good player. He'll get one or two in there where he gets a hand on Baker. Those are my matchups. Here are the keys to victory. Number one, pre-snap recognition. So during their win streak, you talk about Jordan Love and this wide receiving crew. Great job of doing what? Identifying, communicating verbally and non-verbally and executing, okay? We had that this week. We just didn't execute. You see the fade route at the end of the game. Jordan Love, oh, wait, 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 wait. Bunch of can, 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 can. Looks out, gives the hand signal, throws the fade, but he hitched, underthrew it. Guy was open. Got to execute. Identified, communicated, not verbally and verbally for the, for the protection. Didn't execute. Got to have all three. The plays are there. The head coach is doing a great job of giving him more. You know, you, you keep biting off a little bit more, a little bit more. Doing a great job of game planning. The plays are there. It's just you didn't execute last week. And especially early, it takes the confidence, takes the air out of your balloon a little bit. The Packers need to continue to use pre-snap motion, especially against this team. Identify, are they going to rotate? Are they playing man? How you know? Are they, are they keeping that safety back? Are we going to rotate safeties? Where's the pressure coming from? All of that stuff is obvious if you spread them out and motion around. If you bunch tight those looks, that safety, you really got to be on your toes. You have to be able to see all it because it's not important as important as the offensive line and, and Jordan get it because it's not that hard for them to figure it out. It's the perspective of the receivers and being on the same page that matters because the answer has to come fast. Snap the ball, answer, done. You got to... You got to make Todd Bowles not want to bring pressure. You got to want to have him sit back and play zone. Number two, attack the line of scrimmage. 
Tampa got on track last week. Packers are the 31st in the league in the run game. Something's got to give. Okay. We are largely poor, not because of toughness or any of this stuff, because we do a very poor job at tackling. It's not a fundamental, it's a fundamental flaw in this defense. And they last week in particular, not on the same page, communication's terrible. RPO game in particular, only a handful of plays, but you just look not on the same page. Not everybody's on the same page, you got a real problem. Could have been worse, actually. You want to make this team one-dimensional. You want to make Baker take the ball and shotgun and throw it around the yard. That's the best chance you got to win. How do you do that? You take away the run game, cuts down the play-action pass. It changes the stances of the offensive line. It changes the demeanor of the running back. I mean, everything changes when you can't run the football. And defenses can read that. So we got to get there. And then the third thing is you got to win early downs. I think we talk about this every week. But if you want to stay behind the sticks – you know, you want to move, you stay on schedule and move the sticks. You got to win early downs. And the Packers are averaging like 106 yards a game. They had a decent running game last week, although you, you start, you're manufacturing runs from other places now with Jordan, with, with Jaden Reed. Obviously, that's fine. Like that, all, it all counts, right? Like it doesn't count always when you think about can you, can you get AJ Dillon more than three and a half yards to carry the game? It'd be nice, you know, or as Aaron Jones come back and he gets five yards to carry, um, or gets these, you know, light boxes. I think they've been doing a great job with 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 uh, with Reed, Dontavian Wicks, um, with, with Malik Keith, getting those guys the ball. You know, Reed more so than anyone else behind the line of scrimmage, but at the line of scrimmage with room to run. And that is because it's like Andy Reed when he went to the Eagles, West Coast offense, but he wasn't running the football. Man, he was throwing hitch passes and and the, those five yard hitch passes, you know, six yard slants. That was their running game. And I remember talking to uh, John Wilbur and their left guard. And I'm like, dude, you guys never run the football. He goes, yeah, he just thinks this is the running game. But it, it's, it worked for them. They went to three or four uh, NFC championships in a row. And that's kind of what is happening here now. We can't really manufacture runs with this offensive line and running back system that they have as far as getting guys downhill, moving humans off the ball. But they are doing a good job getting Reed more involved, maybe work on the short passing game, hook up a little bit more consistently. And now some of this other stuff with the scrambles and whatnot, you start putting the ball, you know, four and a half, five, five and a half yards of carry. You feel like you can do that consistently. Now you get those second and manageable, third and manageable downs where everything's on the table, like your whole play sheet opens up. And that's really the goal of this game is, can I get to second and manageable, third and manageable? So I know that like, for example, I can go for it on fourth and short. I can take shots third down. I can take shots second down. And I feel comfortable knowing I can come back and just, you know, quarterback sneak, do something else for an easy first down. So we have a couple of fan questions I want to ask. So keys and matchups. Let's get a couple of fan questions in uh, today. Uh, number one, I'll answer as many as I can. I'll try to keep this under an hour. Why do teams play up and down to their opponents? I think it's intrinsic motivation. So why do teams play up or down? So you play to the level of your opponent. I think a lot of people are intrinsically motivated. Right. If you're internally motivated, you're trying to beat the best version of yourself every day. That's my, kind of my easy definition of intrinsic motivation. I know there's a lot of there's a spectrum between intrinsic and, and, and extrinsic. But basic interpretation is for me, like when I teach guys, when I'm, I process to perform stuff, it's like, can you go and, and, and play against the best version of yourself every day? Right? You might not get there, but can you compete against the best version of yourself every day? And the answer for a lot of teams is no. The answer for a lot of teams is like we're, we're, we're extrinsically motivated. So we raise the level to our competition. Mike Daniels, uh, ex Green Bay Packer defensive tackle, had some comments. Somebody asked me about, you know, the de defensive culture, and uh, I'm not really exactly sure. He, the guy, the guy said a lot, right, over the course of of his his tenure. Um, really intense fella, and, and somebody was saying something to the effect of he used to scream at you know, guys in the showers. It was some weird thing. I don't know. The, the point is, uh, I the the gist of it was they they have Hall of Fame players, they have these All Pro guys. Coordinators go in and out, and for some reason, it's not. Um, they're they're always kind of middle of the road. Why is that? There's a couple of things that go into that. You're always, you know, if you're winning, you're always playing good teams. So good teams have good offenses. Good offenses are going to be more successful. That's part of it. You've been in a uh, uh, you've been in a, a a division that you think, you know, aside from the Vikings, consistently from an offense standpoint. I know the Lions are good now, but they haven't always been. So you know, there's there's a couple of head scratchers. But when you do consistently play good teams, good teams have better offenses. That could be part of it. But there is a dog mentality that I, even when I was playing in Green Bay, you know, when Reggie left, '98 was that last year. I think they were tops in off in defense or they were top three in defense. They were amazing. It was never the same. 
and you look at it's like Reggie Santana, Gilbert, Leroy, you know, all dude, those those guys were just they were they were Bernardo Harris. Don't want to forget him. He was a dog. Um, those guys were just different. Like they were different the way the way they thought about themselves, the way they communicated to each other, the way they walked around the locker room, the confidence they had. I was on a team like that in Carolina who had that kind of defense. It, it's it's just different. And I don't know. I'm not in this locker room, but my guess is they just don't have that. And whether you get that from your coordinator, whether you get that from the people that you draft, I don't think they have that. That's looking in. I have no idea about that locker room. How uh, how can the offense be affected without the playmakers this week? Potentially Watson, Wicks, Reed, Musgrave, and Jones all out. Um, it's a next man up mentality. This is a defense where, you know, for me, I think you should be able to, especially with Vita Vea out or limited with a toe, you have to feel confident about your ability to run the football standard defensive ends. You don't even really have to be in base in that 3-4 defense, uh, but they don't have a lot of killers on that on that defense. I think I think Klyze Kansas is a good player. Shaq Barrett can still rush the passer. Like they have, they still have good players, but I think there's opportunities to run the football downhill and just, you know, stay on the sticks. Okay. And I think all the stuff they're doing, they've done a good job of game plan in the last couple of weeks. Don't just because something didn't work last week and everyone, oh, it's because Watson wasn't there. No, it's because your quarterback didn't throw well. And then, and then other things start happening because of that, because you're not in rhythm. That's what happens. Uh, What's the most egregious problem with run defense tackling? If you can't tackle, you can't play defense. You can scheme it up all you want. Can't tackle, can't play defense. Can't fit, you can't play defense. Can't shed a block. I mean, you got to be able to like every player on the team should be elite at like from seven years old. Whenever you start playing football, shed a block, make a tackle. Fill your gap, shed a block, make a tackle. What is it? There's decelerate. There's a bunch of stuff that goes into that. I teach tackling for a living. I, you know, you you. you uh, you know, uh, square dip hammer explode square decelerate dip change angles hammer with your shoulder wrap your arms all that stuff explode through pull your hips run your feet like there's a system that you have to learn if you don't learn it you're going to struggle and you have to spend time doing it until it's automatic um is elgin jenkins playing at his level obviously coming off injuries last year they moved him around um i somebody said he returned to all pro i don't remember that he was an all pro player um, I know that he's made some Pro Bowls. Um, I think that Elgin Jenkins is a really good football player. I think that he does. He could be for me. He could be a fan favorite if he finished blocks with and he just finished people to the ground. If he was like a TJ Lang, he could be a fan favorite. Um, he uses his God-given abilities to win matchups. I wish he would use more aggressiveness. I wish he, I just wish he was more of a finisher. I think that's what this team needs from him. And I think he could easily be that guy. He's a tough guy. Like he's not a, he's not a not back down guy. I'm not saying he's soft at all. There's a lot of guys who are tough guys in this league that don't finish through the whistle. If he was one of those guys, I think you you'd feel everybody would say, Oh, I these plays jump out at me and I feel better about what he's doing. He's he's playing he's still playing good ball. It's like how do you want to jump out and stand out more? That's I think for me that. Would you prior uh where would you prioritize left tackle in the offseason versus defensive tackle, safety, whatever? Pretty pretty high. I don't know if you found the answer at left tackle with either of these guys. I would prioritize that for sure. And I don't know if that's free agency. For me it's probably free agency. Um, I know there's some really good tackles coming out, but I don't know if you're going to be in a position to get them. The tackles that have come out the last couple of years have not been great. Uh, there's been a, there's been some good ones, but there's also been some busts or guys that look like busts. And I don't I, I would take a proven entity right now if it was me. I'd just pay. I'd go out and write a big check for a guy who I knew could play at a high level. Although I don't know who's going to be available right now. That's just how my, how my mind works. Uh, is that head coach calling plays the offensive line cannot execute? This is the, one of the most offensive line friendly offenses in the National Football League. I, it really is. Now, having a quarterback as a first-year quarterback that holds the ball doesn't make it easier. But this is Matt Lafleur's offense is not. This is a this is a great offense to run. The San Francisco Shanahan offense system is a freaking fantastic offense to run if you're if you're an offensive lineman. Like you cannot be complaining about this offense. Drop back seventy times in shotgun. You know, with like Deshaun Watson back there throwing the ball around the yard like he was before he got traded. Try that one on for size. That's hard. This is not hard. 
So three and a half point game. I think it's going to be a good one. Uh, I got the Packers winning this game for sure. I don't, you know, I don't, who knows what the scores and stats are. Hey, if you enjoyed this preview, hit the like button, subscribe, rate, and review on our Process to Perform channel on YouTube. Hit me up, MikeWall68 on Twitter to Process to Perform on Instagram. Guys, have a great weekend, and we'll get back to you on Monday. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.